Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast as well as the Facebook post. We're glad to have you from wherever you're listening. Uh, I hope that you're having a great week. The weather has warmed up in the central Piedmont of North Carolina and we're so glad about it. And uh, although we're going to have a little bit of rain, it's going to get a little bit warmer as the week goes on. So today we're going to session four of the Divine Path to Tilt the Floor and teach us and train us to win the loss. This is going to be a very interesting uh, time for us here today as we teach part four. Hi, Linda. And so uh, we want to welcome all those of you on podcasts from around the world, and we want to remind everybody that you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We look forward to hearing from you. May God bless you as we unpack the Word. Now, I want to tell you that shortly uh, uh, we're going to come to you with a podcast and a Facebook teaching on... Um, some things that I've been hearing uh, from other feeds concerning the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit that uh, I think that, uh, well, I know that they are uh, podcasting and teaching in direct opposition and error to the Word of God. So look for that. It'll be coming up shortly. So today, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I know that you are God. Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying. And then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us through the Holy Spirit. Let us know what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. From there, we'll receive it and reveal it to your people. We thank you for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Here we begin session four, and we're talking about how to tilt the floor in regard to our ability to share the truth and win the lost. So session four of the series, we've seen the issues with sharing of our story. Hi, Kelly as the foundation of our evangelical emphasis. We identified from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3 that they are, the, the lost are well beyond our scope of spiritual abilities because the sinner is controlled by all three areas. He's controlled by his flesh, his mind, and then it, these two are seated in his nature that make him uh, those that are unbelievers operating as children of, uh, of wrath. So for the Christian to be on even ground, he must gain control in his life of all three of these areas. And when he does, he will be robed in righteousness, as Paul teaches, and at least be on par with his counterpart uh, from intellectual and the spiritual perspective as far as what Jesus did for us in the earth. The great news is that the children of God, when compared with the children of wrath, well, we have a deeper relationship in Jesus Christ than the unbeliever has in his master, the prince of the power of the air. It's in this understanding that the floor begins to, to be unlevel and tilted towards us who are Christians. And the Christian can then begin to overtake his conversation and begin to win the lost. So let's move forward. We're in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be ye followers together of me, 
and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for an example. Today we catch up with Paul speaking to the Philippian church in chapter 3 and verse 17. Paul is very clear concerning what the Philippian believers should be doing. They should be uh, followers of what he is teaching them and what he is giving them through the revelation that's given to him by Jesus Christ through the Spirit. They are to mark those who are following his revelation and then those that are using him as an example, following forward to apprehend that of which he had been apprehended. Now, you know what we do today? And your question is going to be what, Pastor? We don't mark those who teach the gospel as Paul taught it. We mark those who intellectually tell us how to be a better you. We mark those who um, I've lost my place here. We mark those who tell us uh, how to be motivated to be successful. Successful in the business world. Successful in whatever. Uh, but they're telling us the mechanisms to be successful. We mark those who tell us how to become wealthy. That's a big one. We mark those who inspire and entertain us. You know, if they can play and they can sing, it has no influence on what they're telling you out of the Word of God. But because they're such great entertainers, we follow them. We mark those who have a doctrine of which we can wrap our arms around and be comfortable with. We mark those who have political conversation that has beliefs in that arena that match our own. We mark those who we see as having power and control in the community. Then what do we do? We uh, crowd uh, uh, around those and they become our example. We follow the crowd off into ideologies, doctrines, and beliefs that become devastating to our very spiritual well-being. My friend, there are many more reasons that we choose who it is that we listen to and who it is that we follow in things that are called church or in the political arena or even in our community. But for the ones who minister... There is a pattern of activity that's been brought forward in the messaging of the activities of Jesus Christ that satisfies the needs of the people. I see James. Hi, hi uh, Brother Abe. It is not at all to be completed on any sort of an intellectual level only. Why? Because on an intellectual level, level the believer can have as sharp of an intellect as you do and maybe even sometimes sharper. They can respond with situations, questions, and scenarios of which you, from a sheer intellectual perspective, will be unable to adequately answer, certainly unable to respond to in a way that solves the issue. Remember, they have a keen eye for what they perceive as discrepancies, mistakes, and open-ended scenarios. They live in the mantra of their master. What is that? Listen to this. Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? If he did, then he's being unfair to you. 
That type of conversation is what threw this entire world into the tailspin that it has been in since the intellectual assault was undertaken against Eve. Think about that now. So operating from this matching which perspective is not going to be a good look for most to attempt to evangelize in their circle of influence, their community, or in their world. There must be something that elevates the conversation and that shifts the content of the conversation in favor of the believer. So what was it that Paul required? And if Paul required it, then why would not someone who was not Paul, but was willing to become an evangelist, a witness to Jesus Christ, or just share his faith, why would they not need the person that propelled Paul's ministry, Jesus' ministry, and the apostles' ministry? Then I would ask this next question. Why would God have pulled out the very one who operated in their ministry and tell you and me, you don't need him now. Hmm. Well, it is the thing that all along we've required in order to be successful and complete the work of winning the lost. What is that thing? The work of the sharing of the faith will change. What is it that will change and transform the world? Well, the answer is quite clear. We simply follow along with how the actions of each of the three people or people groups that were responsible for sharing their ministry in the situation in which they were inserted. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is a the central theme of all of these ministries. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. This concept seems to be the way that each ministry is made to be prepared to handle the demands that their audience provided as opposition. Again, your mind goes to the days of evangelism that appeared to cause a grassroots revival movement in our land. Things like the Jesus Movement, the Billy Graham Crusades, Campus Crusade for Christ, and many others. And here's the truth about these. They were at a time when the church, the family, and the community were the style of American living. Our values and morals were much different during those days. Why, you ask? Well, education had not taken such a negative turn towards teaching values and morals that were in direct opposition to the standards of the church. The thing that was going on in Haight-Asbury in San Francisco, California, had not worked its way across the country. The music was totally different. Television, my Lord, was it ever different. Uh, I remember the day when uh, the Van Dyke show was on and uh, they, the husband and wife on television even slept in separate beds. Television was more protected. Uh, the activity in the streets, now that, that was much different. Uh, it was much less, there was crime, but it was much less openly perpetrated. The drug culture, completely different. The position of women in our society were completely different. The gender identity situation, well, it was way different. People related to a God that was a supreme authority 
And at that time, creationism was the acceptable idea about how the earth and people came to be. Then along came the concept of evolution and the idea that man was his own authority. All of the anti-God belief systems began to become prevalent. Atheists and then agnostics became a belief system that drew a portion of the people or a non-belief system, if you want to call it. What was the scenario that drew them? For the atheist, it often was, if there were, were a God, then he would not allow this or that to happen. Therefore, since the world is as it is, then there can be no God. The agnostic says there's absolutely no means to find out the unknowable. So since, in our opinion, there is an unknowable, it is impossible to know whether there even is a God. This generally leads to the creation of themselves as their own little God because they can find no one higher than themselves. But man always seeks a spiritual interaction. So with that purpose, man has moved into the worship of, of idols and even become worshipers of the prince of the power of the air. Now why would they do that? Well, it's simple, my friend. They can identify very readily and easily with tremendous precision exactly how their flesh, mind, and nature operates and how it satisfies them. So they simply worship the elements that are ever-present. They satisfy their personal needs, and of course, this becomes very easy to involve with them and then to engage other people. So as we look over the past 90 or so years concerning the American landscape of spiritual behavior, we can see how the message of those who came and completed their work was effective at the time, and it did bring people to the cross, but it did not take them into life beyond the cross. There is the disconnect of which our world, our country, our culture, our society, our people and our individuals are caught. Because we have attempted to remain at the cross as if the cross were the answer. And following Jesus is the answer. Not knowing that He died. Not knowing that He shed His blood. But following Jesus is the answer. I want to say it again. Not knowing that He died. Not knowing that He shed His blood. But following Him following him. That means that with Paul, we were apprehended to apprehend something. There was something beyond that we needed to continually move towards. So all of these great ministries, they brought the, the idea of the cross. But they were unable to convey the concept of not just believing he is he was and he did. But following him, following him, going after him, pursuing him, seeking him, worship, learning to worship him. Yeah. So what happened? Their spirituality became challenged by change in, in the culture. They became challenged by the way the things are being challenged today. The current, the culture went from having a standard of values and morals 
that was taught in the home and school and then built upon by the church, the change that became acceptable first was the breakdown of the family. The education system became the compass and not the home. The education system broke down in the late 70s, particularly whenever they came into the prayer band, the removal of the commandments, got out of the school system, and the education system broke. Now two-thirds of the means to maintain the order of the society has been eliminated. Well, now then the church changed. All of the messaging of which I mentioned earlier became more prominent than the standard of righteousness. Now, with that standard of righteousness, biblical understanding, and correct teaching of applications such as how grace is applied, how faith is used, what the blood is for, how we work out our salvation, how we follow Jesus Christ, all of that. All of that became eroded. The church changed their message upon the things that I mentioned earlier. Hi, Ramesh. And the standard of righteousness began to be eroded. No longer operating in a receptive environment now to the message of the cross that was preached with such fervency concerning trying to get people saved. The church gave away the role of being the salt of the world. Where did it happen? Well, the breakdown began just after God released into the earth in the early 1900s the Azusa Street Revival. The reintroduction here was the reintroduction into this particular country of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was placed and moved from state to state, hamlet to hamlet, village to village, community to community, all the way across our country until it reached Falcon, North Carolina. And this move of the Spirit drew firmly into the consciousness of our country. Now shortly thereafter, in 1914, World War I began. This was followed by World War II in 1939. Now, I want you to notice what God had done with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God had worked well ahead of what was coming to America. There was going to be death. There was going to be destruction. That was going to come from two wars that were going to send America absolutely having to have spiritual answers. And the Holy Spirit was placed into the earth and from hamlet to hamlet, community to community, place to place, city to city, the Holy Spirit began to do work. And people went off to war. Many lost their children, but the Holy Spirit continued to work. Then in the late 40s and 50s and on into the 60s, the ministries such as E.E. E. Allen, Kenneth Hagin, and Oral Roberts began to teach healing. And they begin to include the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm sure there are many that I'm not mentioning that were also prominent in that era. These ministers spanned another war as America went to a war in Vietnam. This war was watched across America on their nightly television, but God had again recharged America with the operation of the Holy Spirit. Many people, even some Pentecostal people, 
stood in their pulpits and demeaned, demeaned and derided the message and the ministry. Not because they didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or in healing, but because they feared. They feared that these men were seeking money to continue their revival. And they feared that money would be taken out of their church, out of their hands, out of their ministry. That was literally accomplishing very little, even in the context of their community. So they began to preach and teach against these men of God that were released and revealed by God. Billy Graham said himself, there will never be another great individual who will come in that God is going to use in the way He used me and others like me. He said, because they, me, meaning Billy Graham, received the glory and the credit, and God is never again going to give away His glory to anything. Well, there's probably a great deal of truth in that, because many men did take a great deal of responsibility for those great moves of the Holy Spirit. But also, many men stood in their pulpits, demeaned the operation, told people, don't support that. That's not real. They're, they're lining these people up and telling them what to say, so forth and so on, because they wanted to keep that almighty dollar in their church and in their pocket. Now, during this interval, however, uh, the American psyche began to come apart. The anti-war movements begin to show their discontent with leadership. Such things as free love, free sex, free drugs, and absolutely disdain for the idea of laying one's life on the line for freedom. For the cause of which they did not believe became the message that was loud and clear from those particularly of college attendance age. What was transpiring was sin. The concept of me, mine, and mine, my satisfaction began to override the common good. What, caused, what was caused now? The Holy Spirit was rebuffed. Now churches began to recognize that the message to fill their seats also had to change. So the church began to preach a message that was commensurate with the belief systems of those coming from the free, 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 I'm an individual and I'm free, personal world. The messages began to be God is love. He loves you. He loves you too much to send you to hell. Grace is free and it'll keep you from whatever you're in, whatever you're going through, just believe. And it'll keep you wherever you are. Never one time being taught that it is about following Jesus, not just believing in Jesus. The devil believes. The devil believes there is a God and there is a Jesus Christ. As the message changed, the belief system had to change with it. Why? The mind follows the stimuli of which it is fed. God, again, developed another move of the Holy Spirit right here in America. It was referred to as the charismatic movement. This move spread across denominations. It engrafted people that were Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, from all denominations and all people groups. And they began to be filled with the Spirit. However, 
there were the mainline organizations who had determined that this sort of activity was absolutely unacceptable, so they intellectually decided to take Scripture and show that the operation of the Holy Spirit had ceased with the death of the apostles. Uh, never considering those to whom the message had been given to. Never considering that they did not keep the message to themselves. And Jesus said so. He said because he was praying for those who would believe because of your word. Never considering that there were countless thousands, maybe even millions, to whom the message of the infilling of the Holy Spirit had gone beyond the apostles. But they came up with the concept, sold it to their people, and kept their money and their churches operating. What a sad thing. God developed this movement, spread it across denominations. The mainline organizations determined that this sort of activity was unacceptable. So they created the intellectual idea that this died with the apostles. In their nature, what is that nature, Pastor? It is that sin nature. That even those who have been saved but never taught to follow Jesus, believe, but never teach to follow. They've never gotten rid of that nature, that bit to sin idea. Why? Because they've never been taught the connection that Paul is teaching us in his work. See, they want to teach Paul, but they want to teach, don't want to teach all of Paul. I'm apprehended for something. And what I'm apprehended to do is to go on to apprehend what is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, in their nature, they had never been taught this connection. And the believers then, what did they do? Those that were believing but not following? Well, they bought the information. And they did so for a few reasons. Let's look at them. Well, there was tremendous propaganda concerning the behaviors of those who were experiencing this infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that propaganda was tremendous. Right down to the core of saying they're holy rollers, they're crazy, they act like this, and they do this, and all kinds of propaganda. The leaders were long trusted as spiritual mentors. The leaders of these organizations often had been mentors for three and four generations of their family members. The narrative was being preached as demonic. And that narrative became so widespread. And then the believer abandoned the word of truth and had lost, because of this, the ability to be a critical thinker. Now, some man said the other day, if you give somebody with no spiritual background and no knowledge a Bible and they just read the Word of God, they will inevitably come out with one underlying factor. Is there an infilling of the Holy Spirit based upon 
your reading of God's Word. That fact will always come out in the affirmative. That's what God's Word says. But people followed the intellect of men and they deleted. Now watch what they did. They didn't delete just the teaching of Paul. They deleted the very teaching of Jesus Christ. They deleted the very words of Jesus Christ and they gave away His presence operating in their life through the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have but a couple more minutes in this session, but I want to tell you, I'm going to answer some questions in one of my upcoming podcasts that have been brought up, not directly to me, but have been brought up concerning uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, how it was ministered on the day of Pentecost. And they will take that moment of time, misconstrue it and misrepresent it because they are not reading the Word of God in truth. They do not understand what happened on the day of Pentecost, why it happened on the day of Pentecost, how come they heard the thing like they heard, and not only did those from all the nations hear the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost made them hear Peter. And why that is that way. And then why Paul, moving over into a completely different realm in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, taught the Holy Spirit in such a different means. But I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to show you. And the question is, Pastor, is it going to change the doctrine uh-uh. No. Why? Because my, my platform isn't large enough. My platform isn't large enough. Now somebody out there may pick this up and they may go into a platform and have enough clout in their platform to say we have to answer to this. Instead of putting out the propaganda, we have to answer to this. We have to be prepared to defend what it is we have been opening the minds of people and pouring in. Who am I worried about? You. You knowing the truth. You knowing what the Word of God says. You knowing what the Word of God preaches, teaches. You knowing what it means to continue to do and to teach the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So, I'm going to close with this statement. What happened after all of this? The values, morals, and behaviors of people went off the rails because they had absolutely put up on the shelf their inner compass. How do you say that, Pastor? We believed. Yeah, you might have believed. But you didn't die to your flesh and you didn't deposit your sin nature and be delivered from it. Therefore, your inner man is as tossed and turned and struggling. And I'm going to show you more about that as we go along. But I want to tell you what Paul said. Paul said the Holy Spirit would be your umpire. And your umpire would alert you to the coming conditions that would either throw you into consequences and repercussions 
or keep you in tune and in touch with the depth of the Holy Spirit so that all things could work together for good. But we chose to follow the intellect and become non-thinkers. We chose to follow our own consciousness concerning what is right and wrong. Father, I praise you for the Word of God. I pray that you will minister truth to your people and that as they hear this teaching and the subsequent teachings, that we will come into an understanding of what truth is and what the Word of God says and make that the paramount idea of how we follow you, not just believe in you. I ask you, Lord, for your blessings, and we ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Well, I saw Linda Kelly, James, and Ramesh. Ramesh, I don't know where you're from, but I'm glad to have you. May God richly bless each and every one of you, and we'll be back uh, shortly, tomorrow probably, tomorrow evening, to share part five of the divine path to tilt the floor and win the lost. God bless you, my Facebook friends. May God richly bless you on podcast. Find Him as Lord. You'll find Him there as the one who will mediate the new covenant all in your favor as the greater one. Find Him as the man in the Godhead. And from there, well, my friend, He'll show you great and mighty things that are to come. God bless you until we have the chance to speak again.